could shine between the lines if you would let yourself go find some place you know you can use your words use your hands you can change the world just pretend express yourself take a chance and you'll see who you'll be it's time to express yourself where teens talk and the world listens Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. What makes someone American isn't just blood or birth, but allegiance to our founding principles and faith in the idea that anyone from anywhere can write the next chapter of our story. And that quote is from Barack Obama. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We are a program by, for, and with creative young people, a platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, creator and producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. I'm Siri Panindra. And before we get into today's show that revolves all around spirituality and migration, Be The Star You Are's volunteers and I want to urge you to check out our website at btsya.org. Social distancing in this COVID-19 era has been detrimental to many authors. And as part of our Be The Star You Are Disaster Relief Outreach Program, we will be collaborating with the Authors Guild to showcase the new books launching by many authors from around the country in a variety of genres. So for the next few months, make sure you are tuned in to both Star Style, Be The Star You Are on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time for Wednesdays with Writers, as well as this program, Express Yourself, airing on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time for Super Smart Sundays, both broadcasting right here on the Voice America Network, Empowerment Channel, to learn about these incredible authors and books. Now, with that, I will be starting off today's show by talking about meditation, which is the first step to spirituality. With the fast pace and demands of life, many people tend to get stressed, and it sometimes feels like there's not enough time in the day to simply breathe, and stress can even negatively affect our health. And I found a solution to that problem, and I practice meditation, which involves focusing on the breath or on a word or phrase known as a mantra. And in other words, meditation turns one's attention away from distracting thoughts and rather puts the focus on the present moment. So first off, the meditation method. So when we practice meditation, we need to sit in a comfortable posture in a pretty quiet environment. Um, Sometimes I sit in my backyard because I love hearing the nature sounds. And when we have settled down comfortably, we tend to lose control of our mind and we become aware of all these thoughts and distractions running all in our mind. And We should turn our attention to our breath and feel ourselves slowly exhaling and inhaling. And by focusing on your breath, you're basically disengaging and controlling the mind. Even 15 to 30 minutes in our 24-hour day has plenty of benefits. Over time, we will realize our minds becoming more peaceful and we will experience true bliss without external entertainment, like Netflix, for instance. Meditation provides us with true inner happiness and it'll give us a more peaceful state of mind, regardless of the stressful circumstances of life, especially during this day and age. I recommend daily meditation because it is like food for our souls. And as we need food for our physical body every day, we need to feed our soul with inner peace and balance for the mind. I personally have made it a habit to meditate early in the morning for at least 15 minutes. And I feel it always starts my day on the right foot. I also regularly do it with my mother, who's trained in several courses of meditation. So now I'll just be talking about how I got exposed to this form of art and my story. 
Um, a guru that I look up to is Sadhguru, who is a mystic. I totally recommend you searching him up and watching his YouTube videos. I personally attended his three-day inner engineering session, which was a spiritual retreat that gave me a new way of perception when it comes to facing opportunities, problems, etc. It gave me a new way of looking at the world. Inner engineering is basically a set of techniques that help us understand ourselves and turn inwards to find peace and balance within. We have so many senses to understand the outer world, like touch, seeing, feeling, etc. But we do not have the perception to understand our own selves. And inner engineering is one of the ways to understand our inner self. The gist I learned is that I need to fix myself first in order to fix any outer problem. And for all of the problems we face outside in the world, the joy lies within us. Okay, and now a little bit about the science behind meditation. Meditation can actually change the structures of our brain, which is pretty interesting. So here's a study that shows that meditation produces distinct changes in our most important organ, which is the brain. So according to a 2011 Harvard study, after eight weeks of training in mindful attention meditation, the cortical thickness in the hippocampus has increased, which controls learning and memory, and the brain cell volume in the amygdala decreased, which is responsible for fear, anxiety, and stress. This experiment basically indicates that meditation not only changes the brain, but it changes our state of mind as well. The participants who practiced meditation for 15 to 30 minutes a day promoted caring behaviors for oneself and others. Meditation also helps preserve the aging brain. So people who have had been meditating for years had more gray matter volume in their brains compared to the average non-meditator. It can be a little hard at first to motivate yourself to meditate um, because we try to prioritize things that give us instant gratification and for me, it was pretty hard focusing my mind on one thing, whether that was a mantra or the heartbeat or something. And it's easy for the mind to get carried away with all of these materialistic pleasures, such as electronic gadgets, social media, you name it. But once you feel your life transforming, meditating will simply be a daily routine. And I feel, you know, it has so many more pros and I feel like I've changed as a person inside out because of meditation and listeners, I definitely recommend you try that out at least once. Um, well, thank you guys for listening to this segment. Unfortunately, we are out of time. As a reminder, the newest establishment in the series, Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World, is available now and can be found at www.starstylestore.net. If you're looking for a new book to read, especially at a time like this, consider picking a, up a copy. I'm Siri Panindra, and remember your purchases benefit the Be The Star You Are 501c3 charity and this Express Yourself program as a donation, so please make sure you get your copy today. You can also check out youtube.com slash be the star you are for our fun and very informative Be The Star You Are videos on living, laughing, and learning. Visit us at www.btsya.org and check out past editions of our show at expressyourselfteenradio.com. Keep on listening to our conversation about spirituality and migration on Express Yourself. After the break. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel.
You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thanks for staying us. Uh, staying with us here at Express Yourself on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We are here today with Yasin Kakande, an international journalist, migrant activist, TED Fellow, and author of a new book on the historical and contemporary reasons for African immigration, Why We Are Coming. As a migrant from Uganda, first in the Middle East and now in the United States, Kakande strives to fill in a migrant's voice in the ongoing global debate over refugees and migrants. His previous two books, The Ambitious Struggle and Slave States, chronicled the abuses and exploitation of migrants who work in the Middle East. He works as a freelance international journalist, including assignments for Thompson Reuters and Al Jazeera, and is the frequent contributor to many digital publications and websites. He has worked for the Abu Dhabi-based The National Newspaper, City 7 TV in Dubai, Khalij Times, Bahrain Tribune, and the Peninsular Newspaper. Welcome, Yasin. Thank you, Sadie. All right, um, so let's just yeah. jump right in. I'm super excited. Thank so, you so much. Thank you for hosting me. I'm oh, yes, so glad. Yeah, me too. Well, so you're now a resident in the United States, but you previously had to flee the Middle East after falling out of favor with the host governments. So can you explain what were the reasons for this? Yeah, definitely. Uh, actually, what happened is that I was expelled from the United Arab Emirates, popularly known as Dubai. People know it as Dubai mostly. Uh, for writing my first book, the book is entitled The Ambitious Struggle. After publishing the book, I published it with Florida Academic Press here in the United States. And after publishing the book, the rulers of Dubai were angered. Um, they accused me for not seeking their permission to write any critical book about the Emirate. And they, they asked me to leave. Uh, the book chronicles the extensive abuse of non-Arab migrant workers in the Emirates. Uh, because I'm an immigrant myself, I considered it vital and ethical to chronicle those abuses for the broader world audience. And I still do not regret the decision I took to publish the book. Oh, definitely. Can you tell the readers a little bit about your book, Ambitious Struggle, and just like what it's about and what you emphasize in it? Uh, the Ambitious Struggle was mostly looking at my story and the stories of so many other migrants like myself who were working and living in Dubai. And uh, I took on it like it is like a, a memoir and I tell my own story how I came to go to Dubai and how I started working in Dubai as a journalist and uh, what other kind of jobs I did definitely when I arrived in Dubai I did not start as a journalist. I started as a, a manual worker um, like helping in the shipping of containers and all these things, and uh, gradually I managed to get myself into the the job I had studied at school, that is journalism. And uh, when I tell these stories, I tell the stories of mostly poor migrants, poor people who, who are living in Dubai and who are helping to build Dubai. I'll tell you, Siri, when I first got the idea to write this book, it was there was a very big fire. Fire, it was in a petrochemical company that was owned by one of the rulers' brothers in Dubai. Uh, it is called the National Paint. That's the company. And, mm. and after the fire, there were reports that some people had died in the fire. And as a journalist, some of the families of the people who had died in fire approached me and they told me their brother was missing, their father was was missing and I went to the company and asked them look there are people claiming some people are missing the company told me no no one is missing we have accounted for 
for everyone. And uh, that's the official version. So I went to my editor. I said, look, there are people missing. But the official version that is given by the company and the police and everyone definitely and the government is that no one has died. The, the only loss is financial loss. Um. So my editor said, okay, we go with the official version. Whoever died, sorry. We are going with the official version because we cannot risk, you know, we cannot risk going, uh, taking the side of the people, the families or whatever. We are government newspaper and the government has a lot of say. So we are going with the official version. I said, what, why about, like, could we just mention that some people claim they are people who are dead or something like this? No, 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 we're not doing that. Then it happened. We published, like, there was no casualty. Is. And uh, after two months, they found the bones of the people who had died, about bones of three people. The workers at that uh, petrochemical companies were cleaning up. And when they were cleaning up, they came across bones of people who had died. You know, it was so devastating. And I was among the first people they called. And when I reached the scene, I even took pictures. And then the police came and asked me to delete the pictures and they asked me to leave. And I told my editor that uh, this is what we have found. I have been there. I took some pictures. They have asked me to remove the pictures. I said, okay, it's fine. Thank you for every effort, but we are not doing any story because we are doing what the government is telling us to do. Can you please go and find another story to do for today? Because that is not a story. Can you imagine when oh, lives wow. have been lost? You can imagine how what it feels to the people, the families. They gave me pictures of their children, pictures of their father. They told me this is our father. He has been providing for us. He has been working for this company. He died in this fire. And they were dismissing it. So what kind of people would dismiss the lives of other people so much like that with so much ease and that even the newspapers, our work is to be like a watchdog. How can we be so helpless that we cannot even publish stories like these ones? And it was not the only story, but it was the starting point. I had come across stories of women, they claim they fall from the high-rise building to their death. And the reason is that they committed suicide. That's the official version. But behind the committed suicide, there is another story. Whether the Arab female, the Arab wife was trying to mistreat this girl or the Arab wife physically assaulted and did throw away the murder, this housemaid. These stories were so common. And the official version had become so universal that you only say whenever it is a fall, it is suicide. Let's blame the maids. We cannot blame the Arab housewives. And it was devastating because some... It was devastating that uh, we were helpless. We were migrants like these people who were having these troubles. And uh, when we see that their stories were being disregarded, we see in their stories our own stories, our own lives being disregarded. And I said, no, I have to do something. That mm -hmm. is when I decided to start documenting each story that we could not publish in my newspaper and I started compiling these stories to make a book and that is what formed my first book the ambitious struggle and once the book was published definitely the government of Dubai was very angered and they had to ask me to leave oh my god that was the story wow it's it's really so heartbreaking to know those lives were not counted for and i guess people didn't really have a say and it's amazing how you have like decided to publish that book and wow it's just it's truly great were you in danger after yes. were you in danger after publishing the ambitious struggle uh i would not say that i was not in danger yeah, because after publishing the ambitious struggle i was terminated from my work and i was expelled from dubai deported in other words the right word is deported i was deported outside out of dubai so it, it, it was definitely painful. And that was just the start. That was the start of my career. 
Today, in the United States, I'm working as a caregiver. That is how low it has gone. That is how low it has gone that uh, when in circles of other journalists, when they talk about how the elites, how the rulers can silence you and can bring you to your knees, they always point out to me, look, what Kakande, where is he now? He's published a book and now he's working as a caregiver in the United States of America. So that is how low, somehow life has got so low and things. But one important thing that I'll tell you, Siri, that I'm so proud of is my voice. My voice, the rulers, the politicians, the dictators, everyone, they can take away everything. They can take away the, our career. They can take away our money. They can take away everything. But so long as we live, we need to keep our voice. And I'm so glad and that until today, despite all the obstacles, the challenges, and all all the low life that I have assumed, I still have my voice intact and I'm still publishing books. And I'm also still publishing opinion pieces in big newspapers. So it is it is painful on another side, but it is very fulfilling to me that I still have my voice. Yes, I feel, you know, I definitely agree that we all have to express our voices and we cannot just be shut down by whoever it is and whether it's the government or not. Um, so you have written many books and what were your main reasons for writing Why We Are Coming? That is your most recent book that's available on Amazon. And can you just talk about your main reasons behind that piece? Uh, Why We Are Coming is my latest book. Being an African journalist interested in migration and the policies surrounding it, I had been following the European migration crisis and I was so saddened by the one-way discussion on all platforms, even the mainstream media, in which respondents always blamed Africans and Middle Easterners and in the side of the United States Latin Americans for leaving their countries. In these discussions, there were no voices of the migrants to explain why they were leaving. After I arrived in the United States, I decided to fill up this gap and explain to the people in the host countries like United States, like European countries, why people are leaving their countries. There is an African perspective. It is very disheartening that people would think that people just wake up and leave their countries. Mm. As a person who has always been on the move, I know how painful it is to live far away from your family, to live far away from your homeland, far away. Just imagining that tomorrow I'm going to another country where I don't have any connections, any relative, and, and I'm going to go and start life again. There should be very, very strong reasons for anyone to undertake such challenges and such risks. And look at today, the risks people are taking, they are moving in shaker boats, they are dying. And what European countries are doing, they are intentionally leaving these people, not restoring these people because they want to act as a deterrent. When they remove bodies and they show the other people who want to, who aspire to to also come to Europe, they think twice. And you know what it has done, Siri? It has not even affected, it has not even slowed down the people's mm. determination to leave their countries. So what are the reasons why our people are leaving? This is what I'm trying to discuss in the why we are coming. I'm trying to discuss that there have been a lot of injustices that have been done to these lands where people are living. I'm looking at the era of slavery, where able-bodied people were taken out of these economies, these countries. I'm looking at the era of colonialism, where hyper-exploitation was done to this land that is not even, you cannot repair it even today. Generations cannot repair the damage that was done by colonialism. I'm looking at the neocolonialism, which is up today, where Washington or land and they decide, they give uh, an African country a leader, a puppet leader. 
and the work of that leader is to surrender all the resources of the country to corporations in the West. The poverty of the people in these lands, I'll tell you, Siri, I come from Uganda, and in Uganda recently, almost all businesses that are meaningful, whether it is in minefield, whether it is in oil, whether it is in banking, whether it is in consumer or retail, they are all owned by British corporations. They are all, the leaders are British corporations. So what has happened now, that the only property asset people like Ugandans have had in their land is land. They only have access mm -hmm. to their land. So in their land, they grow crops, they grow food, and they grow other things to improve their lives. Do you know what is happening today, Siri? Investors oh. from Wall Street and from Europe, they are going into Uganda and other African countries, and they are buying large chunks of land, displacing thousands and thousands of people from their land, displacing them without due compensation. So when you displace a person, you take them as persons away from their land, what do you expect them to do? Why are you surprised when you see them on your doorsteps coming to your land? So all these injustices are happening, and the mainstream media will not take them on. But it, it is like, it's not sustainable that you do so much bad injustices to people like it is happening to Africa, like it is happening to Latin America, like it is happening to all the lands where people are fleeing. So these are the things that I'm trying to discuss in why we are coming. Oh, wow. But there's just, it's very sad that corporations are controlled and millions of people are being displaced. But I just want to say it is very great of you to be a journalist and, you know, speak and express your voice. And that's just amazing. Um, despite, you know, the media trying to be controlled by the government, but that's that's definitely inspiring. Um, so in the first section, yes, yes, I mean it. And in the first section of your book, um, Slavery, you chronicled yeah. the selling of people in Libya and how alive is the slave trade today in Africa and what can we do to stop it? Uh, in Libya today, what is happening has been that people have been desperate to leave their lands, especially in West Africa. They are trying to go to Europe. Libya is just in the middle, so it's like a transit area. So what has happened is that when these people leave their lands and they get to Libya, they are so desperate. And now European police and the, the Libyan government and the, Libya doesn't have a government, but whoever they are, militia and whatever they who have do deals with Europeans and all the people, North African governments they are trying to police the the what they see so so that no Africans cross over to Europe so these people they are in Libya they, they have arrived in Libya and they have nowhere to go now they can't continue to Europe so they stay in Libya what they, they do is that they even surrender their freedom they feel that slavery is more important important to them. They would, they would be so desperate to accept anyone taking them over for just going to work for them and just having food. So it is a very, very desperate situation that has happened on this, uh, especially in Libya, and uh, because uh, Libya is more open because there is no government. So it is difficult for people from West Africa to cross over to Tunisia or Algeria, but it's much much easier now to cross over to Libya because there is that vacuum. And because of that vacuum of the governance vacuum, people still, the, what, the slave traders, people are so eager to come and exploit these desperate people. They come, can you come and uh, you work for me in my farm for free? Can you be my slave for free? It is like then people are making like markets. <coughs> they will... Oh. They will, someone will come, okay, I want five, ten people. And then they will take them to some people who need them 
them in farms or they would auction them like they used to auction during slave trade. Someone would bring people, okay, if you want to buy slaves, if you want to buy people to work for you in your farm, you can come here. I always have a large number of people here who are desperate, who, want, who would go and work for you for free, for just food, as they mentioned. They call it. They can they can just work for you for just food. So all this still it goes back to the causes that I'm discussing in why we are coming. And I would add one thing to the people in the West that I did add earlier when I discuss what I'm talking in why we are coming is that the injustices that have been done on people in Africa they are now being done to the people in the in Europe and in the United States. Today, income inequalities are worsening in the United States, and people are working two, three jobs, 18 hours. 18. So the, the same corporations that have plundered Africa to the levels of destitute, to the levels of slavery, are the same corporations that are still exploiting the labor and everyone in the West. And this is where we come in that we need to have a voice. The people, the host citizens in Europe and the United States, they should look at migrants not as enemies or adversaries as com or as competitors or for jobs or whatever they think. We are all the same people. We are all the same human beings and we all have the same enemy and we all have to address these challenges together that global greed, corporate greed has to end and it is affecting everyone. It is affecting Africans, it is affecting Americans, it's affecting Europeans. It is a pandemic and of another type, and we need to find ways of solving it. Oh, wow. I, I definitely agree with you on that. And, you know, I remember reading about slavery in the textbooks, and it's just so unjust that people are dealing with that. And, you know, people are taking advantage of desperateness. And I, I totally just, I, I, I'm getting emotional, but yeah. I understand, um, Sir. It is very yes. bad for anyone to make you desperate. It is very bad for anyone to be in a desperate situation. And this desperation now is, has no boundaries. It's not going to be limited to Africa alone. And this is the very cry for my book, Why we are coming. It's the biggest cry for my book that whatever desperation that is endured in Africa is now moving and it is going to afflict you in the West. It's going to afflict you in the United States. We need to, you know, one thing I will tell you, Siri, uh, there is one thing that is very contagious. That is injustice. Injustices are contagious, even more contagious than COVID-19 or even more contagious mm -hmm. than any disease you would think. If you see injustice anywhere, chances are that once those people, the injustices would move on and come to your land as well. The injustices, the economic injustices, the economic starvation of Africans for so long, for so many centuries, is now moving on. And it is affecting everyone in the West. And you know what the politicians say and the corporations say? They are all pointing to the migrants. They tell people in the West that, look, these migrants, are taking your jobs. How can migrants be responsible for economic inequality in America? No. They, how can migrants be responsible for unemployment when it happens in America? No way. What kind of jobs do they do? And what is, you know, the income inequalities, the people responsible, the people behind the income inequalities in the United States are the corporations. And it affects everyone besides mm -hmm. them. Oh, that's very true. And I like how you compared COVID-19 and, you know, injustice yes, is caused by humans. And that caused has by to change. Yes, exactly. Wow. And it's kind of sad that it's caused by humans and that humanity has become like that. But there's always, you know, hope and people like you who have been expressing their voice and trying to make a change. So I very much appreciate the job of journalists. Um, a lot. I understand. Thank you. Even in the United States, there are so many very good people, very, very good people who are understanding that this crisis, whatever it is, it has to be addressed humanly. I have come across so many of them. So many have helped me 
with my book, Why We Are Coming. It is a very difficult book. It is a very painful book. But I have had so many people coming up to help me to understand, to read, and really see that why is no one talking about all these injustices and how they have come to affect all of us. And I really appreciate that. Mm, yes. Can you, can you describe what the situation for professionals like yourself in Uganda um, are currently like and what prompts them to migrate? Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you a story of my father. Uh, I had a conversation with my father one day, a day before he died. And he told me, look, Yasin, I understand. I was unemployed by then. I had no job and I was kind of... Uh, desperate and I was I had just been deported from Dubai for publishing my book when I was in Uganda I was trying to try to make out what to do and already I was having trouble with the government in Uganda actually we did discuss that I had it, another trouble because when I arrived in Uganda then there were corporations still who are recruiting who are taking people to Saudi Arabia and Dubai and they thought my activism and my voice was actually damaging their business and so they were not very happy with me coming back to Uganda to talk about the evils and injustices that are being done on African citizens in Dubai. So my father was like, I'm sick and he had no one to take him to hospital because we I didn't have money now and all my siblings did have money. So he told me, look, Yasin, I have a feeling that to have a passport and a visa to go to the United States or United Kingdom or Europe or anywhere is much important now than to have a university degree. Mm-hmm. And look at this man. He's a man. He had more than 10 children. All of them, he had labored to take them to school. And all of us, we are graduates. We had degrees. And no one could even afford to take him to a hospital. It is not a hospital here where you have mass health or where you have some insurance whatever and hospitals in Uganda have to pay this is so bad so desperate and we have a functioning government that is only serving corporate interests and not serving the people so people even in hospitals even small illnesses they have to pay people are still dying of even small illnesses like malaria but imagine the case of my father 10 graduates 10 graduates and you don't have no one has a job Imagine how much desperate he was when he died the following day. He died the following day. Imagine how so desperate he was that he wished his children could go uh, whether to Saudi Arabia and be domestic servants or slaves or whatever than being there looking at him so miserable and they could not even take him to hospital. It must have been so desperate and that is how desperate it is for so many people who have graduated in Uganda today. It is the desperation that is affecting so many people across Africa. And that's the desperation that is pushing people with degrees, with the well-trained, whatever, coming here to work as caregivers. Oh, wow. I, you know, I truly understand how that feels, how it's hard to have access to a free health care and it's just very yeah. sad how you had to experience that with your father. But I'm so happy that you know, you have moved on from that lifestyle and, you know, you're helping others do the same. Um, so, yes. So why do you think that African citizens, they cannot do more to challenge the Western exploitation in their own countries? I'll tell you one thing that the actual Africans are trying and they have tried mm-hmm. somehow, somewhere, but I'll tell you one important thing, and that is the Western machinery, the corporate machinery is very, very powerful. The corporate machinery is very powerful, and it overwhelms all efforts among most poor Africans. They are very smart. They have the resources. They have the money. They can fund everything. So all they have, they can fund government. They can lead to the rise of governments and the fall of governments. In Africa, governments have risen because of the corporation support and they are falling because they fall out of the 
corporation support. Look at Patrice Lumumba. He's, he died, he was assassinated. He fell and he was assassinated. Just because he disagreed, he had a vision that, look, we, Africa, whatever is here, we need to have a share. This is our land also. Please, when you are taking, we we open for business to corporations in the West. But please, let these, corpor- let these businesses be honest and don't just exploit and plunder everything. And where he ended? In a non-marked grave. Mm. So, and mm. uh, all his other compatriots. And then there came another wave of other the presidents, like in the current president of Uganda, Yoweri Museven, he's been there for 35 years and he's still, because he is a darling of the Western corporations, he works for them, he came to power and he surrendered everything mm-hmm. to corporations. And now today, you know what the media was talking about him? He, they described him as the new breed of African leaders, the new men of Africa who can do business. Then And what business is he now doing with the desperation of what you think to Africans are going and are going through shake boats just to live to escape the desperation at home? They, we have the richest continent on the planet. Africa is the richest continent on the planet. It's land. It's so you know. It's and beneath its land lies a third of the world's resources. But not a single oil field, not a single mine field, not a, not anything is owned by Africans themselves. Everything is owned, whether it is oil, whether it is gold, whether it is diamond. In Africa, everything is owned by corporations in the West. How fair is that? Imagine, Siri, how would you feel if everything in the United States was owned by Russia? I, I can't imagine fair. that. <laughs> yes, it's not fair for in your home that everything in your home is owned by someone, a foreigner, a stranger. And this is what is happening. This is what has happened to Africa. And when people they just look on, they don't they they don't care. But you know what funny thing is that it is in Justices are contagious, and whatever has happened in Africa is now happening everywhere. And until as human beings we rise up and say, "Look, let's sit on the table. This is this has been wrong. This has been wrong. Let's clear it." The thing today is that whatever they, they can do, they whatever they can get away with, however bad it is, they will do it. Whatever they can get away with, however bad they, it is, they will do it. So what? What I'm trying to bring to you is that Africans actually, there have been Africans who have tried and they are trying, but the thing is the machinery, the corporate machinery in the West is very powerful and it overwhelms all efforts by Africans to do anything. So what is needed is that the people in the West should not let Africans fight this battle alone. Western American citizens and European citizens should not let this be a single battle by Africans. Everyone should get involved so that we address the challenges that are affecting all of us. Oh, exactly. It just sounds so devastating that the government is always on the side of the corporations and it's at the expense of the people and the people are really who matter in a society. And um, we are running out of time, but I want to ask one last question. And what's next for you as an author? I know you have done TED Talk and just so many journalism and everything, trying to express your voice. So what is next for you as an author? Uh, What I'm trying to do right now, I'm trying to focus more on my new book, Why We Are Coming. I'm trying to see how far I can go to put it out into the public audience it is very difficult because as you know there is no backing from corporations and anything you're doing without corporations you are not you you don't go so far but i'm really trying so much to see it's my biggest priority to reach out to people to see that they read this and we have a debate we talk we be honest with each other to see that we address the challenges of our times honestly Mm. 
Yes, I agree. Re- uh, listeners, please, please go to why we're coming on Amazon. And it's just, it's like, it shows the reality of what is happening. And we all need to be aware of that. Um, and thank you so much, Yasin, for sharing your story and insight on migration with yeah. us. I personally have learned so much and I'm just so happy that there are people like you who are writing about it and trying to share with the world. Well, thank you so much, Yasin. Listeners, please visit his website at yasinkakande.com. That is Y-A-S-I-N-K-A-K-A-N-D-E.com. Please check out his new book, Why We Are Coming on Amazon. It is absolutely inspirational. And also check out his 2018 TED Talk, which I 10 out of 10 recommend. Well, also be sure to support our show and learn more about upcoming BTSYA events at bethestarur.org. You can show your love for more segments like this one with wonderful guests by donating to the Be The Star You Are 501c3 literacy charity that brings you this program at bethestarur.org. You can visit www.btsya.org to find out more about Be The Star You Are, I'm Siri Panindra. Keep listening for more on spirituality and migration. And once again, a very big thank you to Yesin for all that he has done. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to Express Yourself. I'm Siri Panindra, and this week's show is all about spirituality and migration. In this segment, I will be focusing on some of my personal experiences as an immigrant. So I'm an immigrant myself from India, and my parents moved over to the United States when I was around four years old. So I would say that's 14 years ago. And since I was very young, I don't remember the process of moving, but I very clearly remember when we became citizens. And I remember that I skipped a day of school to go to this building, and it was such a beautiful experience seeing my parents swearing in, and all around me I saw people crying when they became citizens to the United States, and I couldn't understand that emotional outburst at that point in time, but now I know why. And And as I was talking to my parents and trying to understand the process that they went through, it was a pretty laborious process. And I was just talking to my dad, and he said that many years ago, his employer had to submit a petition, then procure the visa before we even came here. And there were just so many different steps um, to coming to the United States. And after that, they had to spend another five years before they could get a green card, and then another five years before we could become citizens. So you can definitely tell that it took time for us as well as many other immigrants. And with immigration, even though this is a country of opportunity, my parents and I did miss our country of origin at that time, and we had to leave behind our friendships with others, and everything had to be maintained online on virtual platforms. So we use Skype a lot and FaceTime, but I would say we had a great opportunity to delve into a place of new culture with new people and a new way of life. Um, So now I just wanted to talk about the pros to immigration and just like a few facts. So with immigration, 
the economic growth for the United States has increased and there are more flexible labor markets since there are more skilled workers such as nurses, doctors, teachers, and there are many potential entrepreneurs who have come from different countries. And overall, the United States has greater cultural diversity because of all of the different people it's accepting. And it's a solution to an aging population. And if you were there for our previous segment, I definitely recommend you read Yesin's Why We Are Coming. It is so inspirational. And you can also check out his TED Talks and it just gives you some information about the reality of what is happening right now in the world. And with that, I'd just like to end the show with a few immigration quotes by some very well-known people. So the first one is by John F. Kennedy, and it is, Everywhere immigrants have enriched and strengthened the fabric of American life. And the next one is by Hillary Clinton and... It is, we are a country where people of all backgrounds, all nations of origin, all languages, all religions, all races can make a home. America was built by immigrants. And I absolutely love that quote. Um, I feel diversity is so important in society and it just makes the world a better place because you get exposed to different culture, different people from different walks of life. And it just makes life more fun, you know, meeting new people from different areas. And I definitely recommend you, you know, learn more about immigration, whether that's through Yasin. But it's very important to be aware of what is going on in the world right now. And especially since we have a lot of time on our hands, it is definitely something you guys should learn about. Um, well, unfortunately, we are out of time for today's show. Audience, Please support Be The Star You Are and find information on our creative community, charity efforts, and outreach programs on our main site at bethestarur.org. You have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. I'm Siri Panindra, and as always, we give our very big thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment crew, especially our voice engineer, Josh. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world, and thank you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. Be sure to learn more about what's going on in the world right now and stay spiritual. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself